grief is such a funny thing. It's so, it's so hard and it plays out in a lot of ways. And I kind of realized pretty early on that if I didn't do something with it, that I, it just felt like it was going to destroy me. So it was either, um, you know, climb into my bed and, and stay there or try to do something with that. And I am so grateful that I was able to get in touch with the grassroots wildland firefighter group and be able to channel all of that feeling somewhere that was uh, in a much more healthy place. You know, I, I learned a lot from them on the issues and I knew that I would have um, a voice at a different level than, than I had before. And so it was, it just felt really important to me to use that moment in time for something good because I just, I couldn't imagine, you know, his death just not having that kind of a meaning. Hello and welcome to Life of Fire podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Monti. Uh, and today we're going to be diving into the Tim Hart Act, which you've possibly heard about. Uh, it got a lot of coverage kind of last fall, like October, November period. Um, and we actually spoke with Tim's wife, Michelle, back in November and are just now able to publish this episode. But it turns out that that's actually kind of a good timeline. Um, I spoke with Reva Duncan yesterday. Um, she's part of the Grassroots Wildland Firefighter Coalition, and they've been doing quite a bit of work with some legislators and some senators to try to get more support for this bill as it kind of sits in deadlock. So they, I, they actually just had a conversation yesterday with some Senate staffers, and they're hoping to get some movement on this because it has kind of been sitting in, um, in deadlock for a few months now. For some background, Tim was a smoke jumper who was injured on a wildfire in May in New Mexico and ended up passing away from his injuries a few days later. And Michelle will talk quite a bit about sort of the advocacy work that's come from his death and the work that she's been doing to uh, get better compensation for firefighters uh, and generally just better treatment. We'll go into that, but, you know, looking at not only compensation, but housing, um, benefits, mental health resources. Uh, there's a whole list of things. And Michelle, like I said, we'll go into that. Um, but that's kind of a little background on where the Tim Hart Act came from. And, uh, you know, hopefully in the next couple of months, they'll get a little bit of movement on that. I think the um, Reva said the Grassroots Wildland Firefighter Coalition is currently looking for a senator to introduce a companion bill for uh, the Tim Hart Act. And they're not really getting they haven't really gotten the interest that they're looking for there. They have uh, support in the House, but they haven't found support in the Senate yet. So uh, I think that's the hurdle they're currently working with. But either way, they're going to keep moving forward with that. Reva said that that's kind of their biggest priority right now and through the winter is to get that bill kind of moving through to the Senate. So hopefully that works out. In the meantime, let's talk to Michelle Hart, who has a ton of great information about the bill, but also about all of the grief she was experiencing in the immediate aftermath of Tim's death and how she sort of formed that grief into advocacy and kind of utilized that grief in a ultimately really beneficial way. I am no longer a firefighter, but I know that I'm personally very grateful for the work that Michelle's doing um, alongside the grassroots wildland firefighters, of course, but incredibly grateful. And I'm sure that the rest of the wildland fire community is as well. So with all that said, let's get right into it. This is Michelle Hart. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy this episode. I actually do have one more thing to add. Um, the audio on this episode is a little funky, so bear with us. Uh, we just had a mic issue, so 
We apologize for that. But anyway, here's Michelle. Thanks again for listening. Awesome. Well, like I said, thanks for coming on. Um, I appreciate you taking your time to chat with me. So if you could just explain mm-hmm. a little bit about yourself, that'd be awesome. Yeah. So I work in oil and gas um, and I have since I graduated college, gosh, what, 15, almost 15 years ago now. And uh, I, I have most recently with the company I, I work for in Wyoming, um, I do some government affairs work for them. And so I am a registered lobbyist with the state of Wyoming and advocating on um, tax policy and, and things related to oil and gas. So I have uh, some experience in the kind of political sphere, um, but I also do a lot of environmental work for them as well. So kind of a mixed bag uh, of experience. And yeah, so it has helped a lot though with some things that we have had going on recently. So, yeah, yeah. And we'll, we'll get into that. I, I wanted to say, I'm, I'm, I'm really sorry, you know, for the loss that you guys had this summer that you had this summer. Um, but that I've been, I'm just amazed at the advocacy that you've done in the wake of Tim's death. And, um, you know, I'd love to hear more about how that has, how that process has all sort of played out for you this summer. Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, Grief is such a funny thing. It's so, it's so hard and it plays out in a lot of ways. And I kind of realized pretty early on that if I didn't do something with it, that I, it just felt like it was going to destroy me. So it was either, um, you know, climb into my bed and, and stay there or try to do something with that. And I am so grateful that I was able to get in touch with the grassroots wildland firefighter group and, be able to channel all of that feeling somewhere that was uh, in a a much more healthy place. Um, And, you know, I I learned a lot from them on the issues and I knew that I would have um, a voice at a different level than, than I had before. And so it was, it just felt really important to me to use that moment in time for something good, because I just, I couldn't imagine, you know, his death, just not having that kind of a meaning. Um, and so it really has helped me grieve as well. This process has been grief for me, um, but also to, yeah, to do something with it that was more than just uh, me just hiding, <laughs> hiding at home. And I think he would be really proud of that. And that's really what I'm doing it for. I am absolutely sure he would be so proud of all the work that you guys have done. And can you actually, can you tell me a little bit about the bill, some of the provisions as well as kind of why you felt this was a really important way to like memorialize Tim? Yeah. So, so the bill um, has a lot of things in there that are really important and personal to me and, and to Tim. Um, there are things that we talked about on a regular basis over dinner, um, things that, you know, we complained about and, and, and really struggled with. I mean, our relationship was not smooth either. I know a lot of people that are um, spouses or in a relationship um, or kids, any any ties to wildland firefighting community have had those same conversations that we did. Um, and and so there there's a lot of stuff in the bill. It's a comprehensive look at reforming wildland firefighting workforce for the future. It's Honestly, it's, it's coming so much later than it should have. This should have been done decades ago. I mean, and so when, when we hear from legislators, like there's a lot in there, you know, we're saying, well, 
yes, there is, because honestly, this should have been done over the years, but it hasn't been. So now we're at a point where we have to take a big leap forward as opposed to just these little steps. Um, so we cover everything in there from, of course, classification and pay and increasing the base pay starting salary of firefighters and calling them firefighters. Um, from that all the way to work schedules and looking at portal to portal compensation um, to mental health services and presumptive health coverage for physical health concerns, you know, looking at cancer and cardiopulmonary diseases as our firefighters age mm -hmm. um, after sometimes decades of breathing in all sorts of firefighting chemicals and smoke and everything else. And, and then along with that, the housing um, issues, the homelessness that our firefighters experience. And then you also looking at things like career transition or just educational benefits. I mean, I've watched a lot of friends and, and Tim went through this too, about, you know, talking about how do I, if I don't see a path forward as a career, which we would love to have that career path in wildland fire as well. But if I don't see that or my body can't handle that, how do I, how, you know, what do I, what do I do after this? And, you know, we do that for our military. We give them a GI bill. We give them these benefits to be able to help them transition into something else or take a career step into a different federal position. So why don't we do that for our fighter firefighters as well? And so there, there's a lot in there, um, but each of those parts, it is, it is for modernizing the workforce to keep people retained within the workforce, but also to provide them the benefits that they should have been receiving all this time. And it's a lot of benefits that private industry and the service industry and a lot of other folks are already getting. Why wouldn't we do that for our emergency responders as well? Absolutely. Are there any provisions in there that have a sort of personal connection to you that you really wanted to see um, in this legislation? Yes, uh, certainly the housing uh, piece was really personal. Um, when I met him, he was living out of his truck actually. And I met him the year that he rookied as a smoke jumper and he was based out of Grangeville and at his base there, there was no housing available and he lived out of his truck for three summers. And I remember talking to him at night and it would be over a hundred degrees out and he would be in the back of his truck just you know, sweating and being miserable and, you know, and having to pay to park his truck in someone's field while also, you know, we're trying to pay our mortgage on our house back home. And so it is really important. Homelessness in the firefighting community, especially over the summer, is a really serious problem. We're seeing housing prices drastically increase in towns that we have firefighting bases, um, hotshot crews, smoke jumper bases, et cetera. And this is a really a really big problem. And we already face so many problems with mental health. It is certainly not helping when we ask people to live out of their cars or in tents. Um, and certainly the financial strain is huge as well. Yeah, absolutely. And how, you know, you've spoken with legislators all summer, I'm sure. How has this been sort of uh, accepted or like, how have people been, how are people receiving this? There we go. Yeah. Um, it's been received really well. I, I am, I've been really pleasantly surprised with, you know, going to DC and you, we hear a lot about federal politics and we watch a lot in the news. Um, this is truly a nonpartisan or bipartisan issue. And we have definitely heard that from 
representatives and senators that, that I have met with. Uh, there's a tremendous amount of empathy and understanding of what the men and women go through, um, especially in these ever-increasing fire years. Uh, and so I do feel that that understanding is there and there is a desire to do something on both sides of the aisle. And in today's politics, there are very few issues that transcend party. And I do feel like this has been received equally well by Republicans and Democrats. It's always hard when you put dollars to something, there's always a little bit more pushback, but it is, it is very apparent that the emergency responders that they feel that these folks need to be taken care of. And it's just kind of, I think, figuring out the semantics of that and getting buy-in from everyone and um, understanding how much we really want to put dollars behind that effort. And the infrastructure bill did address a few of the provisions, correct? It did. Yes. Okay. With the compensation and the classification, I believe. Yes. And the classification, that was huge. I mean, you know, that has been fought for for decades. Um, So good to see that in there and that it has the right terminology behind it. Obviously, there's a lot of work to be done behind the scenes with OPM and with the Forest Service and with the BLM to make sure that that is done in a way that is actually what the intent was. Um, And then the pay piece, as you mentioned, too, is huge. $600 million in there for salary increases. Again, the, the language is a the intent is clear that it should apply as broadly as possible. However, the language is fairly generic. And so we just want to continue to make sure that we strengthen those relationships with agency officials to make sure that that intent is actually carried through with the implementation of that language. And it should be, again, it should be clear too that the infrastructure bill, you know, it is a set amount of money over a period of a few years. And so even though there is that increase now, um, Tim's Act is still really important on pay because it sets the standard permanently to say that this is the increase that we need. So infrastructure is temporary, though the classification piece should be permanent, but the, the pay, the appropriation part of it is temporary. And so this is still really important that we set, a, that we set the structure of pay as a permanent fix rather than just a temporary one. That's a really good clarification. Thank you for that. Uh, my last question is just simply, you know, why you felt this advocacy was important this summer, especially in regards to memorializing Tim. Yeah, I, that's it's yeah, it's like I was saying before. It's um, it's a it's it's really hard. This has been a really hard journey for me um, over the summer, and this has given me something to put my anger and my passion and all of that behind. And I, I know my husband was, he was a very introverted guy. So if he were sitting here next to me, he would be so embarrassed that, you know, this is going on and his name is out there, but I know that he, I know he would be really proud of this. And again, these were really personal issues. He was a political guy. We had political discussions all the time. Um, and these issues are incredibly personal to him and to me. Um, and I know that he would want his brothers and sisters in the fire to be taken care of. And the fact that his name is on this, to me, it just brings a lot of, uh, a lot of peace and um, meaning to his life. And I it just, I'm so, I'm so proud to be part of this movement and this, this act. And it makes me feel good to hear people talking about him and saying his name and to know that his story is out there. And yeah, I just, I, I really, I really see this going places. And I, I think that we're actually going to see some change come out of this and that 
I am going to be involved with it until we see that change happen. And it's been incredible to just watch all the pieces come together, like really this summer in terms of the advocacy of the grassroots organization, um, you know, you really, you know, taking the reins on Tim's bill and just seeing it all come together has been, it's been incredible. And I, like I said in my email, you know, I really, I am bummed and saddened by the circumstances that kind of necessitated this advocacy, but to see everything come together the way it has and in, in a way that's really meaningful um, and really based in, in the real, very real struggles that we're seeing and in your own experiences, it's been, um, you know, it's, it's been really cool to see it all come together in a meaningful way and on a really broad stage too. You know, you're, we're seeing it all over NBC. We're seeing it. We're seeing our senators talking about these things that, you know, we thought was just, we thought we were just being ignored for so long. And it was like, we'll never, we'll never get the advocacy we need. We'll never have senators talking about us. So it's, and it's so good. I, I will just add to that. You know, we have, this has been a huge educational opportunity at a, a very large stage. It has been very clear to me and to others as we've had these conversations, how surprised people are that these issues exist. When I first had a, a conversation with Secretary Vilsack early on um, this summer, he had called me to, you know, pass on his condolences. And I kind of talked to Zero for half an hour about wildland fire issues. And one of the things I mentioned was homelessness and he had no idea. He had no idea that was pervasive. And he even said, he's like, that's embarrassing for our agency. And he's right, it is embarrassing. And so we have seen that consistently in these conversations that people are not aware in DC that this is going on. And as soon as they find out, they're saying, what can we do about it? Who do we need to call? What do I, what do I need to sign on to? And that's why, the, that is why we're going to see change happen. It's just what, what scale, how much are we gonna spend this time? And then how are we gonna continue that fight to continue to advocate? Because this is just the first step. There are so many more changes that are needed in a very holistic view. And from land management to, to the workforce, to how fire looks 10 years from now, 20 years from now. And I think that is also understood in DC that this is just the beginning of a very large tangled ball of thread. So. Anyway, I'll just I'll just leave it at that. But I think the education component has been huge and we're going to continue to push that. And that is where, you know, your listeners and people in the, the community have to get involved to continue that educational push um, in the West, but also in the East. We really need folks east of the Mississippi to understand that this is a a nationwide problem, that this is something that does affect them. And we need to make sure that everyone is is talking about this at a national level, not just as a Western issue. Fantastically put. I was talking to Reva about this yesterday, about how when I was in fire through 2019, I didn't see, there were so many stories that I wanted to see being done by national news outlets, you know, about homelessness, about how workman's comp is like completely broken for firefighters. Like I knew people that were getting injured on fires, literally a woman that I knew broke her ankle while repelling and they fought her and fought her and fought her on it. And it's just like to see stories about that. I saw a story the other day. It was really well reported about that exact issue. And so it's like finally getting that stage. It's finally, those stories are finally coming to light um, in a really meaningful way. And I'm, I am so excited to see those stories every day. Almost. It seems like a new story comes out about an issue and fire that I was like, yes, this needs to be highlighted and in a, in a really broad way too. So it's been cool mm -hmm. to see, like I said, NBC covering this and a couple other national news outlets. It's been, it's been really cool. And I really, I, I really have to say that you and the grassroots organization have been a absolutely massive part of that. So I appreciate Thank all you. your work. 
I, well, I really appreciate it. Like I said, it's, it's an honor for me to be part of this and it is, it has been very healing for me to be able to channel this. Like I said, I mean, you know, it's, <laughs> it has to go somewhere. So it's either going to go into me being a puddle or me, you know, doing something about it. And I have been given a voice that I didn't ask for. And the, the, the highest honor to me is to be able to use it for the good of other people. I, you know, I will never see a benefit from this and that's totally fine because I know and care about so many of the people that my husband worked with and I want the best for their families. I want the best for them. I watch their struggles and anything that I can do to continue to push that out is, um, it's an honor. It really is an honor to speak on, on your behalf, on, on other folks behalf. And I just hope that I hope I'm speaking with, <laughs> and that's why I'm with, you know, with grassroots is that they help ed educate me so much on the technicalities of this as well. And uh, we have a long way to go, but we are really on the right path. And it is people like you and it's people um, across the West that are gonna make this a reality. All right, folks, that's what we've got for you today. Thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. Um, I also really, really appreciate all of the support that the Life with Fire calendars have gotten lately. Can't thank you guys enough for all of the support and uh, donations and interest, I guess, as well. Uh, as always, we would love it if you would give us a review on Apple Podcasts or simply tell a friend about us if you enjoyed this episode and think maybe that they would also enjoy it. Finally, I owe a huge thanks to Michelle for coming on the show and sharing her experiences with me as well as all of the listeners out there. So huge thanks to Michelle. We appreciate it. Um, and yeah, we'll catch you on the next one. Thanks. Thanks.